do 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 oh hang on oh no we've only got 1352 hours remaining what ever score recording space on my hard drive all right Hello and welcome to the Omcast Grand Rewatch. My name is Tom and as one half of the Omcast, I'm joined by Dom. Say hello, Dom. Hello. So we now live in a world full of sequels, prequels, remakes and reboots. And we understand that sometimes life gets in the way and you're not always going to be able to catch up before a new one comes out. With that in mind, we're here to provide a weekly retrospective of some of the biggest franchises in cinema history, giving you a full spoiler rundown of each film in a series including plot summaries, analysis, and behind-the-scenes trivia. This week, we begin a new grand rewatch by watching the 2014 revenge movie, John Wick, starring Keanu Reeves, Michael Nyquist, Alfie Allen, and Willem Dafoe. Yes, John Wick. So, John Wick. Wick. That John Wick. That fucking nobody is John Wick. Baba well, Yaga. John wasn't exactly the boogeyman. He was the guy you sent to kill the fucking boogeyman. Um, this film was so good. I know, right? <laughs> and and the thing is, like... Sleeping hit. Yeah, absolutely came out of nowhere. Yeah, it was just one of those things that you just heard through word of mouth. Like, I've seen this new um, Keanu Reeves movie called John Wick. Mm. It's like, it's one of those things, you see it on a DVD shelf or whatever, like a year later, and you just don't think anything of it. Yeah. One of those disposable sort, of, and he's that he was at that kind of point in his career as well. Keanu Reeves, he was at a point where it was like he'll sort of do anything. He's a bit like Nick Cage. He was like he was making loads of these movies, and you weren't really paying attention to him. Yeah. And then this has been his resurgence. This has been him coming back. Now he's not even Neo anymore. People think of him as being John Wick. Yeah, like, which yeah. is great because that's the thing. It was it was the Matrix franchise that kind of killed off his career a little yeah. bit. Um, but it was. But yeah, like you say, this he he started doing this spate of sort of shelf warmer films. Yeah, and um, I mean, to be completely frank, that's what this film should have been. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's from a no that. one director. It's from a no one writer. It's got very few big big names in it. Mm. But all of a sudden, this this whole, for lack of a better word, <laughs> phenomena. Has... Phenomena. 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 Sorry. And just came out of nowhere and has just been this new revolution in sort of. Yeah, it's like now, I think this is to action films kind of what um, what the Bourne franchise did. Bourne shook things up and suddenly everything was like handheld, close quarters combat, yeah. everything was very brutal, and then other franchises changed to suit that style so mm-hmm. we had stuff like James Bond obviously yeah. it became a lot more Bourne-esque and, a lot, and there were lots of other sort of one man army type movies suddenly started coming out um, but John Wick now everything's like oh it's John Wick-esque yeah. like the way they do the fight scenes in yeah. particular and they, were, and they try a lot of people are trying to replicate that style of mm-hmm. action um, and yeah it's like I think it's one of the best action films of the last few years by far Um Anyway, before we get into it, let me quickly do the, a rundown yeah. for it. So it's a very, as what's great about it is they're so basic. Mm-hmm. It's such a very boiled down, it's like an hour and a half long, really simple story. Um, but what they managed to do is keep it really simple whilst also hinting at something more complicated. Yeah. Which is what we get into in the sequel, um, which we will talk about separately. But this is just about the first John Wick. The film starts as a wrecked car crashes into the back of a building. 
a bloody John Wick gets out and watches a video of his wife on a beach. Three weeks earlier. <laughs> it's revealed through a series of quick dialogue-free scenes that John's wife has died suddenly not long ago. At the funeral, John shares a few words with an old friend, Marcus, played by Willem Dafoe. Back home, John receives a package. Prior to her death, John's wife has arranged for a puppy to be sent to him, along with a letter. In the letter, she explains that the dog is there to keep him company and give him someone to love because the card doesn't count. After a running with some young gangster types, John is attacked in a brutal home invasion. The thugs kill the puppy and steal John's car. Coming to in the morning, John goes to an old contact and finds out who stole his car. Yosef Tarasov, the son of Russian crime boss Vigo Tarasov. Realising what's happened, Vigo sends a team of killers to John's house, and in the first of a few intense shootout scenes, John takes them all out. John calls a mysterious cleaning service to take care of the bodies, and this is our first glimpse into an underground world. As Vigo puts out a contract on John, drafting in his friend Marcus, John himself heads to the Continental, a high-class hotel in New York City where everyone knows his name. Where everybody knows your name. After doing some digging at the hotel and with the help of Winston, the hotel's owner, a play by Ian McShane, John finds out that Yosef is hiding in a nightclub called the Red Circle. The nightclub shootout ensues, where John kicks all kinds of ass, but Yosef gets away. Injured from the fight, John returns to the Continental and is attacked by Miss Perkins. After an extended fight sequence, John subdues Perkins and leaves her with an old acquaintance, Harry, but not before learning of a location of one of Vigo's valuable stash houses. After wrecking the place, which is hidden in a church, John is captured and confronts Vigo one-on-one, demanding he gives up his son's location. Vigo refuses, and John is about to be asphyxiated by one of Vigo's goons when a sniper shot from Marcus saves him. Taking everyone out, John gets to Vigo and demands Yosef's location at gunpoint. Finally, John attacks the safe house where Yosef is hiding and gets his sweet revenge. The Continental gives John a new car by way of an apology, and it looks as though he'll ride off into the sunset. However, a grief-stricken Vigo calls John after brutally executing Marcus for his failure to kill him. John turns around and a frantic car chase ensues. In the end, John and Vigo go mano a mano, and John finally finishes the Russian, but not before taking a knife to the gut. We're now back to the start of the film, as a weary John breaks into the veterinary clinic to stitch himself up. On his way out, he befriends a young bulldog, and decides to adopt him. As John walks away with the dog, the credits begin to roll, and we're right back where we started. The end. The end. Oh, and Miss Perkins, they kill her. Oh, yeah. It's a bit of a weird subplot, but it's fine. <laughs> Again, yeah, it hints at something greater. Yeah, they do this whole thing about the, the rules of the Continental. Mm. Um, and no business must be conducted on Continental grounds. Yeah. Which becomes a very important plot point later on down the line. It does, yeah. And one of the things that's also sort of... the One of the things that's also spun off from this is the TV series, The Continental, which is going to be produced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's I mean, we've good. seen the first poster like one sheet for it. Yeah, we know very little about it really. I think they've they've can't they've said that I think Keanu Reeves will cameo. Yeah. Um but again that's going to be centered around that hotel where the idea is that there is this hotel in the middle of New York where these assassins and contract killers and all the rest of it are is a safe house where they can go and recuperate or whatever yeah. when they've got jobs to do 
and they can get like medical attention, they can get everything taken care of. And the rule is, once you're on these grounds, no business can be conducted, i.e. no one can kill anyone whilst we're here. Mm-hmm. It's a safe place. Um, and that's just, it's one little plot element in this one. And then it, it feeds through this whole Miss Perkins plot. And then at the end of it, because she tried to kill John on continental grounds, the management see to it and have She's her killed. Executed. And that's it. And you don't really think much of it in this one, but it becomes very significant in the later one, in part two. Yeah. Um, that's when that whole rule about not killing each other on the grounds becomes a big plot point. Yeah. But in this one, it's very much about they, they stole his car and they killed his dog. And he's going for revenge. Dog's fine. But sorry, I, I, I apologise. Now, I, I, I said something in the rundown that may not be true, but you, you don't worry about it, okay? No, I know. The okay. dog's fine. Dog's fine, yeah. Um, She's just got a new friend. Yes. The other dog. Correct, yeah. Who never gets a name. Yeah, it's fine. Dog. Dog's just dog. Yeah. Yeah. Good boy. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so I mean, there's, to be honest, I don't know if there's that much to say about this first one because it, like I say, it hints at this wider world, which is part of what we all sort of fell in love with about it, and that's where the film's sort of style and unique um, voice came from. I think it's stuff like that. It's having that yeah. little like, is that I've got you know, he calls up after he's killed all these guys in the um, in his house. But says, that's not the first point. The first point is the police officer turns up. Yeah, that's true. There is that. So the, the police like, officer turns up, knocks on the door. And he's like, oh, John, are you, are you working again? And he's yeah, like, but that's... The thing with that is, like, there's just... There's the other... That's another, like, yeah, you're right. Those little conversations between, like... So it's the, the police... The conversation he has with the police officer at his door. So, oh, you're working again. All right, I'll leave you to it. Yeah. And it's like, hello, Jimmy. He knows everyone by their first name. Yeah. Which is great. And then he has another one later on with the doorman. Yeah. Where he's like, I don't want to have to hurt you, mate. And it's like, oh, you've lost weight. And, like, all those little things where it's like... Yeah. It kind of... It, again, it gives the film personality mm-hmm. rather than just being a straight revenge thriller. It has that little bit of extra flair to it by putting yeah. those little scenes in there. And it is like this very sort of noir style of yeah. sort of filmmaking. Is is you know the the grizzled old blank goes back after yeah blank years he retired for revenge. Yeah. He, he he said oh, I was I was done with this <clears> life. I'm retired. Yeah, yeah. But it's. But I think sort of the, the the selling point of this film is not only not only the fact that the action is amazing, but it's got this really strong aesthetic as well. Yeah. Like everything's really washed out, but it's sort of punctuated by these moments of like really vivid color. Yeah, not like bright color, but like very vivid colors like during scenes of like yeah. horrific violence. Yeah, and outside of that, everything's like a lot of grey wash yeah um, everything seems really overcast like the sky's never really shown to be blue it's only ever sort of like varying shades of grey or black mm. but it sort of yeah it really sort of amplifies the sort of the action scenarios yeah um, and the I action was great yeah the action scenarios themselves like yeah they have a very unique way of shooting it and I think well so unique it's more so it was just it was refreshing because I think the thing mm-hmm. about this is that there are long takes. There is these long unbroken takes where Keanu Reeves does a lot of his own stunts. Yeah, and there are just these like long shots where it's just that you see him for one set piece, one setup with the camera. He takes out like five guys. Yeah, in the spot, and there's no quick cuts because that's what we got used to in in film in fighting, particularly going back again, like thinking of Bourne. Yeah, and those kind of that was lots of quick cuts, like a million cuts within one fight sequence, 
and like super up close and all the rest of you can barely see what's going on. This is completely the opposite, and it goes right. No, it's gonna we're gonna show off how good the stunt work is here. Yeah, because we want you to see that these guys are doing it for real, mm. and it's very very well choreographed and very well like executed. It's because he's directed by two guys who are basically stuntmen. Yeah, I think one of them was Keanu Reeves' stunt double for the Matrix movies. Yeah, he was. Um, so the, the credited director was. Yeah, that's right. Because there's there was actually it was directed by two guys, but because of some sort of union thing. They ended up having to have one of them took a producer credit, one of them took a director credit. Yeah. Um, can't remember the names now. Look them up. David Leitch is one of them. Yes, yeah, and... he's the guy who then went on to direct Deadpool 2. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chad Stahelski. Right, yeah. Who was the who was um Keanu's stunt double. Yeah. And then David Leitch, who then went on from there. Yeah. But again, it's like these these people that haven't directed before have come out to do this and yeah. the writer had written like a couple of other like it was like a Dolph Lundgren film and a Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah. Like again like I say like shelf warmer films and then this happens Yeah. and now he's the John Wick guy. Yeah. I mean what I will say about the writing is like I think the world creation is very well done. Yeah. I think particularly in this one I don't know if it gets better in the second one but there are a couple of bits of dialogue that don't quite sit sit quite right. Yeah. They they sound like something that you would write in prose, but when you say it out loud it doesn't sound right. Yeah. So in that moment I was given a semblance of hope. It's like I get like, I was you, unalone. Uh, for that I, I was unalone. It's days like these scatter among the rest. It's like that sounds great when you write it down, mm-hmm. but if you say it out loud it sounds real dumb. Yeah. It sounds real rote. Do you know what I mean? It sounds yeah. like someone's reading out of a um, Raymond Chandler novel. I mean, that's exactly what he's going for. I mean, yeah. I but... mean, that's one of the things that sort of I, one of the sort of the main observations that I've got of this is it, it's like a very hard boiled pulp yeah. novel. Yeah, maybe, yeah, exactly. Maybe that is what he's going for. But then that, it, to a modern ear, to a modern audience, yeah, it's it quite jarring. Take, it just takes you out of the film a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you go, that's a silly line. Yeah, that's a, that's a weird thing for someone to say to someone. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that's. I mean, what I, I was trying to explain, sort of John Wick, to a friend of mine the other day. He'd never seen it, mm-hmm. and he was like, "All right, well, sell it to me if it's that good." And he's a comic book guy, so I was like, "You know what? It's the in the way that we have films now with and everything superheroes." Yeah, and then. It's like in the comic books. So when you read, you're constantly reading superhero comics and you're like, okay, this is cool. Oh, Galactus is back or Thanos is back or whatever's happening. But then somebody recommends you something that's really, really different, Mm. like a pulp novel rather than a comic book superhero novel. Yeah. It completely sort of refreshes your thought process of something like that. And it's it's the same with the films. It, It gives you this new sort of outlook onto something different. Yeah. But that's done in like a similar way. Yeah, that's the thing. We've seen so many of these revenge thrillers where it's one man yeah. go, like think Taken, think, yeah, Born, anything really. Yeah. But this is done in such a unique way. Yeah. Um, that it does set itself apart and has now created a whole sort of subgenre. And like, yeah. there are people have been able to use this sort of style and adapt it into something else. So, like, great example was I think it's the same director as well, isn't it? Who did um, Atomic Blonde. I think so. I think it's one of them that yeah. was involved anyway. Um, and Atomic Blonde is is very much a noir Cold War thriller, but it suits this style, the John Wick style, perfectly. And it means that even though it's not as action heavy as John Wick, it's a lot more plot driven. Yeah. Atomic Blonde, 
it does like like I say it, it's like it feels that similar very similar aesthetic and they go right what about that but in 1980s Berlin I'm like it's perfect do yeah. that <laughs> like make that happen yeah it's bang on um, and yeah I, I don't know I don't know what to say about it really it was just so many headshots <laughs> yeah but also yeah because you're so used to seeing again this is this is, this is the way that this film sort of bucks your expectations is you'll see something like I don't know any sort of action film and they fire off a hundred shots and the bad guy might end up sort of flailing around being riddled with bullets. Yeah. And it sort of loses its effect. But with this, there's such a strong visceral nature of the way that John will shoot someone. So, yeah, somebody else might fire an assault rifle at him and he'll be okay. But John's weapons of choices tend to be pistols. Uh, yeah. It's like, it's, it's the very deliberate, like I say, because of the, everything's so very precise and, mm. and well choreographed every single movement and every shot that he takes is very deliberate and he like he almost never misses yeah um and it means that that means the there has to be a certain pace to these action sequences mm-hmm. because they can't be these long drawn out shootouts because no. you're already dead yeah like because john wick's coming for you um and yeah it's just it's it's very unique or it was at the time when it first came out it was just like holy shit because i remember when i watched it the first time as you're going through the motions of the first act and it's like he had a wife who died, and then, and then it's like, and it's all very, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. And it was not until they he first opens up in that first action sequence in his house, and then there's that one shot where he takes out like three guys in the space of like three seconds. Yeah. And you go, oh shit. And it makes you sort of sit up and pay attention. Yeah. Because I remember the first time that I watched this, you'd recommended it to yeah. me. And I just, I wasn't aware of it in the slightest. I was like, okay. And then I watched it and I was like, fuck, yeah. that was so good. Yeah. And, but the, the the bit that hooked me was the first time that I watched it was I sat down and I was put it on. And it was the bit where he starts hammering through the floor. Yeah. That's where it kicks in, I think. And you're like, okay, what's he doing? Oh, he's going to get a gun or something. And, and he does, but he opens up this case and it's like surgically laid out like weapons in there. But then you see like this stack of coins. There's loads of gold coins, and that's and intercut then, with Vigo sort of explaining yeah. who he is and what he's all about. Yeah. Um, and and again, that's that yeah. moment that really hooked me. I think that's where the film sort of finds its style because it's got this, like I say, it's intercut and it's really well directed. And they even do the whole thing where like Vigo starts singing the song about Baba Yaga. Yeah. But like they do the whole, they have a really even stylized way of doing the um, subtitles. Yeah. So certain words are highlighted in colour and it feels like a comic book. Yeah. It feels exactly like something out of a comic book. And then you look at you look into it and go, is this based on anything? It's like, nope. nope. This is completely original. This is completely something that was written to be a film yeah. and is a film and that's it. Which again is something refreshing because so mm-hmm. many things are just adaptations or re, you know, reinterpretations of things that have previously yeah. existed. The fact that they go, no, this is an assassin revenge movie mm-hmm. and that's all it was ever intended to be. So it means they can really focus up and they don't have to worry about being true to source material or anything like that. They can just make it the best it can possibly be. Mm-hmm. And it fucking is. It's so yeah. good. It's great. And and that's the thing. Like when we've like in other films that we've done as part of this podcast, there are points when I'll be a bit jaded about something. I'll be like, oh, I just can't be asked to watch that film. Yeah. But the John Wick films, 
as much as I've seen that film dozens of times, I'm like, yeah, I'll give it another. Go. It's a great, it's a great one. I think there's a there's a handful of them recently where they're because there's partly because they are short as well. To be fair, but they're just they're great rewatchable sort of just you got time chuck something on. Yeah, or it's on TV. You'll always put it on. For me, this is one of them. Another one is Dread. Yeah, love Dread. Yeah, um, a Carl Urban Dread movie. Um, and they're just yeah, they're just perfect. Sort of just just put a movie on, and it mm-hmm. never gets old because it just I'm always impressed by the stunt work and the sort of the visual. Yeah. Everything that's happening in front of me, um, and it's it's interesting that these films are um, that both of them are sort of being brought in with uh, like another director. So like the whole dread that yeah, it's just true it's that true. everyone knows that dread was actually low key directed by Alex Garland, but he couldn't do it because he was contractually obliged to do something else. Yeah, fucking weird. But um, but yeah, both are like really good examples of like modern films, and yeah. Like Dread is a remake, yeah, of a comic book movie, but still yeah. really stands on its own. It doesn't spend hours delving into mythology. It gives you a little bit of, you know, makes you front loaded text. Like, yeah, it gives you. It makes you want to find out more about that world, but it's very focused on telling the story that it's trying yeah. to tell, which is exactly like John Wick. Yeah. So it's like, I would like we walked away from this one going, I want to know more about that hotel. I want to know about why why there are rules in place. I want to know about the gold coins. I want to know everything, and they knew that, and that is exactly why John Wick Two is what it is. Yeah, um, because they do delve into that further, um, but they gave you just the right amount in this one to intrigue you, but not to distract from the main drive of the story. Yeah, which absolutely, is killing Theon Dr- Greyjoy, which we've all been thinking about. <laughs> um, because yeah, the, the other thing as well, I think the supporting cast in this is really good. I think Keanu Reeves is great for a start. Um, he's very. I think there are two standout scenes in terms of his performance because a lot of it is very monotone and very sort of he's a man of focus and he's very like it's all about the action yeah but there are two particular moments one one of them is when he gets the letter from his wife yeah and he really sells that scene it's mm-hmm. really well done and then the other is when he is confronting Vigo and like you, we've rewound it just now so you can watch it again because it is it's is a great performance yeah. piece he just like and again even though some of the lines don't quite sit right his performance sells it. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I wanted to raise that I held off from talking to you about is that when people talk about this film, they they often bring up the line, people keep asking if I'm back. Yeah. For me, that isn't, that's like the crescendo of that part. Yeah. It's the whole bit before that really, Yeah. because he says it in that sort of Keanu Reeves way and he says it quite, like like you say, sort of monotonally. He says it very dryly. He says it very directly, and you just you're just so engrossed by what he's saying, and it just encompasses everything that's happened to that point, and to just completely understand his rage at that point. Yeah, and it's it's fucking brilliant. Because originally, but originally, I was reading um I was reading this week that originally. This wasn't going to be Keanu Reeves. Mm. It was written for like a sixty-something-year-old guy. Yes, right. Yeah, it was good because there was going to be obviously there's another sort of subgenre within all this is the old man coming back out for revenge. Yeah, taken like unforgiven, gr- unforgiven. Like even yeah, a lot of the Clint Eastwood stuff like you like um, Gran Torino. Yeah. Um, well, Mel Gibson did one in the Edge of Darkness, was it? I think. 
Oh god, I don't know. Kevin Cosman's done one. Like all the old men have done one. Yeah. So it would very much fit into that, and mm-hmm. I get that the whole idea is that John is meant to have be he's meant to have retired. So it does kind of make sense that he would be older than he is, but still, I think Keanu Reeves is like the perfect yeah age for him. And what about it? because he's been through like for us, like if you think about it, like his glory days, if you like, were like back during the the Matrix era. So if you equate that. Well, yeah, Point Break. Point Break um, and Speed and The Matrix and all that. So you can sort of, when he comes, comes back, you can go, right, in my head, that means that the John Wick of old, the the crazy, the legendary John Wick was operating during the 90s and the early noughties. Yeah. Then went on, then walked away for it for however many years and now he's back. Mm-hmm. But Keanu is the exact right age for that and he absolutely fucking nails it. And, and that's w- one of the things that they said is that by casting... By casting Keanu, they gave somebody that's got an understanding of that history. So somebody who we would see that history within them. We know that he was he's a former badass from back in the day. Yeah. And the thing with him is, is that say what you like about him as an actor, in terms of his physicality, the man throws himself into these roles. I mean, it was the same with Neo, and it's the same with this. He he learns that shit. Like he's a fucking like yeah. he's a good martial artist, and he's a good guy. And like now he's good with firearms yeah like you see some of the training videos that they put out that's what i was about to say yeah that he does for these movies and how like how quickly he reloads and all the rest of it and he's got everything down pat and he's like yeah. he's scary now <laughs> like, yeah and I'm that's scared of, i'm scared of keanu reeves and the thing is like he's training with like special forces guys yes and one of the things that you often see in films is you'll have a hero character within like a special forces department yeah the special forces guys themselves will drop off it's just how group stuff works in action films. Yeah. But what this does for me is this sort of reinforces it in other films, how badass these guys are. Yeah. Because you think if he's... Just one of them. Just one. Imagine if, a team of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of... Because um, a director who's always known for that in terms of getting actors to like really train and get their shit together is um, Michael Mann. Yeah. Yes. So you watch like Collateral, the way Tom Cruise trained for Collateral. Was very similar, mm-hmm. and he got like crazy fast and scary with a with a um, handgun. And similarly in Heat, there's a shot in Heat where um, Val Kilmer re- yeah. re- reloads his rifle, and it's so quick and efficiently done that I think they now use it in military training mm. to show people this is how you should reload a rifle. Yeah, this is how you should duck undercover, pop the magazine out. Yeah. Put the new one in, up, and then continue firing. Resume your firing position and continue. Yeah. And it's so he's studied it so well that it's now the standard yeah. by which they measure it. And I feel like that's going to be the same with Keanu Reeves. Like they talk about even in the like trivia, they talk about how he switches stances. Yeah, there are known shooting stances. Like he, sometimes he holds the um, handgun right into his chest like that, so that he's able to get more of a shot. Yeah, he doesn't hold it out the entire time because if he's that up close to somebody it won't work so he adapts depending on the situation as it goes and again it's just fuck I love it <laughs> I, love, yeah. I love the um, the choreography and everything on this movie is fucking unreal yeah and it's it is great and that's one of the things that we'll sort of address next week is that I've sort of said to you in the past that John Wick 2 as much as there's a lot of it that I still really love hmm. there are parts of it that sort of I was a bit disappointed with. Yeah, well, I think, yeah. I, the thing is, like, from my memory, like John Wick 2 is still really good. And I like it. And it does exactly what we wanted it to do, which is to expand the world. But the thing with it is, is that it can never have the impact of the first one. Yeah. 
And there's been a lot of that. I remember at the time there was sort of a spate of them. I think it was around the same time as Kingsman. Yeah. So Kingsman was as good as it was, the first one, because it was so fresh. Yeah. It, you hadn't quite seen anything quite like it before. And then the second one came out and they couldn't do it again. They couldn't catch... Like, yeah. It's kind of similar even to like stuff like Deadpool. Yeah. Like Deadpool 2, as much as we love Deadpool 2, didn't have the same impact as Deadpool no. 1. And I think the same can be said for John Wick. Even though it gave us exactly what we wanted, which is more of certain things. And yeah. the action is just as good in John Wick 2, but we kind of knew what to expect going in. Yeah. John Wick 1, we had no idea what to expect going in, which is why it was yeah. so amazing. And that's um, the thing. That's I think that's that's something that I'm definitely going to sort of address in our next episode. So stay on your toes, readers. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, on that note, I don't know what more there is to say, really, to be honest. I there isn't we... really that much no. to say. I mean, um, like the music choices are all great. It's all done by Tyler Bates. Yeah. He's the same guy who does the Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. school. He's done, well, he's, he's pretty prolific, isn't he? I'm sure he, he is. Well, so, the first thing that springs to mind mate, is Guardians. So, yeah, he did John Wick, did Deadpool 2, he did The Punisher TV show, mm. he did The Spy Who Dumped Me, Atomic Blonde. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the Halloween two. Um, yeah, he's just done. He's done so so yeah. many things. I mean, he's great. Yeah, so the music's great. Like I say, the, the supporting cast I think is great. I think you got um, Michael Al- Nyquist. Yeah, Michael Nyquist is Vigo, right? Yeah, he's fucking great because yeah. he he passed away not long ago. Actually, I know. Yeah, it's sad, but he again a part of what makes this film what it is. is he, he injects some personality into it. He's not yeah. just a bad guy for being a bad guy's sake he yeah. has a little bit of well my favourite line of the film yeah your favourite line of the film but like what I love is like even like in the final um, bit at the end when like John's chasing them in the car he's like reserved he's like he knows he's gonna die and he's just like laughing at him <laughs> that was a good one yeah. I knew he was coming like he's got that weird sort of, I feel like that was the actor having fun with it as well I don't think that was in the script I feel no. like you could tell there are certain bits of it that is him yeah Um, and similarly Alfie Allen's great yeah, I mean he's playing a piece of shit, but no one plays a piece of shit like Alfie Allen. Exactly, <laughs> the poor bloke. Like he's a great actor, and he's been and he's done some great parts, but he just has that look about him that when you sort of couple it with writing like this, you just go, "Yeah, fuck that guy, fuck that guy." But um, I I do hope that he gets to break out of that now. Um, yeah, I think he, he deserves more. He does, especially after seeing both this. And the last sort of the recent three seasons of Game of Thrones, yeah, because he's I think he's proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's got range. Um, so I'd love to see him play some sort of heroic character, or yeah. just, just not an arsehole, just anything. Just but... play something that's not like he did what... the sort of redeemed the the redeemed villain in Game of Thrones, yeah. But come on, anything. I think they should do a dark and gritty reboot of. Scooby Doo, and he should play Shaggy. Oh, I don't know, man. Cool. It's, it's, it's kind of always going to be Matthew Lillard for me now. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> like you know, it, side note, he's taken over doing it on like all the video games and TV shows, and everything yeah. is all Matt Lillard now. Yeah, that's now his thing. He is Shaggy. It's fucking perfect. Um, yeah, so they're they're great. Willem Dafoe is just Willem Dafoe. Yeah, um, he just walks on and defoes the fuck out of it, and then just, leaves. He's like this skeleton among the rest. Shock bit. Ooh ha! What? <laughs> he's boop, kind of, boop boopy doo. Boop boopy doo. We are you, King Marius, as one of the three people with the trident. We got to. I tell you what, if you like, oh fucking, just Willem Dafoe is just incredible. Um, Ian McShane's great. 
And again, we get more of him in the next one, which yeah, is awesome. Because this was a bit of a sort of renaissance. But it for wasn't meant, meant for him. It was actually, I think it was written or they had cast Jason Isaacs. Yeah. And then he couldn't do it for whatever reason. So they got Ian McShane instead. Um, yeah, because McShane, off the back of this, got cast in American Gods. Yeah. So yeah, American Gods. And yeah, so he had Deadwoods, I suppose, was going for quite a long yeah. time though, wasn't it? And then there was a little bit of a dip. Then he came back with John Wick. Then got American Gods. Yeah. And he's done well. He's done Hellboy, but less said about that, the better. Well, yeah. I mean, he was still good in it for what yeah. he was in. I mean, a couple of bits were a bit shaky. But... And Game of Thrones. Yeah, Game of Thrones. But this this is like this this McShane renaissance. I mean, yeah. I was listening to a podcast with him on a good few years back prior to American Gods being on. And he was talking about all the... He had so much fun. Like, he's, he's done a similar thing of going through these shelf warmer films. Yeah. <clears throat> And he was talking about all these things and he was like, oh, I've got this film coming out and it was really good fun and we're out in Croatia doing it. And they're like, oh, what's it called? And he's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And it's just a nothing film. Never heard of it. And then the next thing you know, he's doing John Wick and American Gods and this, that and the other. And you're just like, holy shit, this is like really turned around. Yeah, yeah, He's and he's found his name and he's great at doing what he's doing. Yeah, Um, he's spectacular. Yeah. Like for as little as he's in this, because he's only in this for probably... A cumulative three or four minutes of screen time, something like that, yeah. But he's great. Yeah, that's the. I think all the what's good about it is that it is a bit of an ensemble cast, and they all do really well with what they're given. Yeah, I mean, even the concierge, just Lance that's Reddick. Exactly what that's literally what I'm looking out for. Isn't it? I think it's Lance. Yeah, Lance Reddick. Yeah, hotel manager. Um, yeah, he's great. Yeah, and it's just like as simple as that, and it's like um, John Leguizamo's in this. As just a bit part, and it's all these people that you remember from further back have come back in this. So it's they've all got this caliber in the same way that Keanu does. Of so you've seen like these older things with them in. So yeah. by the time you see him again, you're like, oh, these are jaded characters. These are people that have gone through, you know, gone through the ringer a bit. Yeah. But um, I'd get going back to Willem Dafoe. Like, I've got to say, it is one of my favourite films, and I will defend it to the end of the world, but peak Willem Dafoe for me is still The Life Aquatic. Okay. If if anyone out there hasn't seen it and wants to see a brilliant performance from Bill Murray, Jeff Goldblum, and Willem Dafoe in one film, watch that. Fair enough. But yeah, going back to John Wick, yeah. there isn't really that much to say. Like, the cast is great. The score is great. The cinematography is great. The choreography is great. Mm. Everything is great about this film. Cars are good. Cars are fucking brilliant. Oh, I could talk. I could talk about the cars all night. Yeah, I, but know. I shouldn't have said that. No. <laughs> and they all sound like the cars they actually are, which is fucking brilliant. Because so God, many films just, just fucking get it wrong. The second one starts with him destroying that car. Yep. I don't know. I'm ready for it. They had this whole like car foo thing going on where he's like killing people with the car. It's dumb. It's huh? stupid and I hate it. No, it's great. No, it's not. It's shit. It's stupid and I hate it. Okay. We'll talk about that later. But the dog's okay. The dog's fine. Why do you keep bringing it up? The dog is obviously fine, you fucking monster. Okay. Jesus. All right. Um. Yeah, okay, cool. So I think that's time to wrap it up then, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> On that bombshell. Um, yeah, so next week we will talk about John Wick 2 and we'll get into all the ins and outs of that. It's a much more complicated film um, with a lot more story. And the other thing with John Wick 2 is that 
it sets up John Wick 3. Like, they knew they, after this one, they knew they had a hit on their hands. And so they purposely made two with the intention of making part three. Yeah. Which is, makes it a slightly different beast. This was very much self-contained, as a lot of first films in series often are. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was very much just a beginning, middle, and end. And it's fucking lean and cool, and you should watch it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thanks for joining us for that one. Um, we'll be back next week to talk about John Wick 2, leading up to John Wick 3. At some point, we're also going to go and see Detective Pikachu, yep. which would be a complete change of pace. But, yep. really, but it should be really fun. So keep an eye out for them. Um, yeah, and in the meantime, let us know your thoughts on John Wick. Let us know your thoughts on The Avengers. Obviously, that's the big movie that's still out and about. And yep. our spoiler special just came out today. Yeah, it's just um, beat uh, two billion fuck me. at crazy. the box office in um, 10 so there's, days. There's obviously a lot to be said about that movie um, and the MCU in general. So if you've got any thoughts on that, please let us know. You can email us on uh, theoncastpod at gmail.com. You can get us get us the. You can get in touch with us on Facebook at The Oncast, on Instagram, The Oncast, yeah. on Twitter, The Oncast, yeah. um, just anything, where, and just type in The Oncast. Yeah. We are not the Buddhist slash yoga podcast, also called The Oncast. That's not us. We're Ooh. something else. Oh, wow. I've been promoting something totally different. Um, Do we need to have an off-air discussion about our marketing strategy? We'll see you next week, guys. Thanks. Bye. What did you do? The dog is fine. All you phonies, you two-faced friends, you sycophantic suck-ups who smile through your teeth at me, please leave me in please. Please go. Stop smiling. It's not a joke. If the party's over, get out. Did you just read that? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, have you got that memorized? No. <laughs>